Welcome to Babel Undone, a podcast created by Premier in partnership with Archbishop Joseph D'Souza and the Good Shepherd Church of India. Bishop D'Souza is a renowned Christian intellectual and civil rights activist from India who leads the Good Shepherd Movement and the All India Christian Council. And I'm Johnny Moore, an American evangelical who serves as the president of the Congress of Christian Leaders and JDA Worldwide. We live in an interconnected world where the questions are complex. So on every episode of Babel Undone, Bishop D'Souza and I aim to bring the global church together in conversation about an important issue facing everyone. And we do it from different perspectives. Bishop comes from the East and I come from the West. So naturally, we meet in London. So Bishop D'Souza, what are we looking at today? Well, we're looking at uh, the Christian faith uh, in Europe. You know, I hear all the time that Europe is no longer Christian, that it is totally secular. Yet something remarkable is happening here. Immigrant communities are re-evangelizing this secular continent. If you walk the streets of London on a Sunday, you'll probably hear the rhythm of an African church or a Latin church. Or more recently, a vibrant church from Hong Kong as hundreds of thousands have left since the Chinese takeover, bringing their Christian faith with them. We're going to talk today about this phenomena and get a bit of history lesson along the way, particularly about the rich uh, heritage and story that we have of the African church. Reverend Dr. Harvey uh, Kuyani is our guest today. He's an African missiologist and theologian who's born in Africa and lives in the United Kingdom And his work is built around his two passions, uh, Bishop. The first is his mission in the West, how the African church is re-evangelizing Europe uh, and the United States. His second passion is the story of African Christianity, both on the continent of Africa and among the diaspora all around the world. He teaches at the Church uh, Mission Society in Oxford, where he leads a master's program focused on the global diaspora of the Christian global diaspora. And he founded and continues to be the general editor of Missio Africanus, the Journal of African Missiology. He is Reverend Dr. Harvey Quiani. So uh, Harvey, our Christian audience uh, is global. People listen to this uh, from all over the world uh, on, on every continent. So not everyone listening uh, to this conversation know you uh, as uh, Bishop uh, D'Souza and I Uh, know you. In fact, some people are just getting to know you for the first time. So uh, here's my first question. Who is Harvey Koyani? Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, tell us us your story. (laughs) I am uh, a Malawian, born and bred in Malawi. Um, But I left Malawi quite a few years ago, um, having sensed a call to mission uh, to Europe, actually. Wonderful. So I came to Switzerland, worked in Switzerland, needed to, le- to learn German, went to Germany, stayed in Germany for a year, went back to Switzerland, and then came to the UK here, did my master's, went to the US, did a PhD, I came back to the UK, where I now work as a CEO of Global Connections, while teaching in several colleges on issues to do with theology, mission, and world Christianity. It's great to have you uh, in our program, especially as you are a historian of the African church, most people 
think, which is not true, you and I know it's not true, that uh, Christianity originated only when the Western missionaries came to... Well, wait, 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 Bishop. Christianity didn't start in Georgia? No. <laughs> I thought it started in Georgia. No, it didn't start in Georgia, nor did it start, start in Oxford. Uh, it began long ago in Africa. So the, the question is, uh, as you uh, uh, have considered African history, Christian history, who are, who are some of your African historical figures uh, uh, that you admire, look up to, and these heroes need to be sort of globalized and others need to come to know about them? Yes, uh, I mean, we can start back in the very first few hundred years of Christianity. And so people like Athanasius... Yeah, um, most people wouldn't know he was an African. You know, that's that's the sad thing. Go ahead. There's there's a joke about Athanasius that uh, people people called him the black dwarf because he was black African and he was short. Wow, <laughs> right? wow. Um, but we could talk about Augustine. Yes, his father was was uh, was European, but his mother was African, a Berber. Berber, yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Tertullian. Um, living in Nigeria, doing theology in, in 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 Latin, which was the vernacular for his people at the time, right? And 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 it's from there that he becomes the father of Latin theology, father of Western theology. But he's an African living in Africa, right? And 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 then there are quite a few others are, are around that era. But as we go down the centuries, there are also many figures. The, the, there's a, there's, there was a kingdom of... There were Christian kingdoms in the Sudan area for a long time, right? That just disappeared. Wow. Uh, when we... Uh, their history was only discovered back in the 60s. Uh, and people went in and, and, and did archaeology and found all these uh, wars of uh, Christian writings and, 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 and histories that actually extend um, for a period of 1,000 years when there was a vibrant Christian communities in Sudan that that just disappeared like that. We could talk about Ethiopia, we could talk about the Christian kingdom of the Congo that existed for a good 200 years from 1500 to 1700 with its key leaders Many of them actually point towards what's happening in Christianity today. There was a, a young woman called uh, Kimpavita or Donna Beatrice, yeah. a prophetess, uh, quite powerful. Uh, she, she was so prophetic that her death came because both the church and the community condemned her for her brave acts against against colonialism, against the church, and her trusting in God. She was condemned as a witch by the community. She was condemned as a prophetess by the missionaries, and that's how she died. My goodness. My so those goodness. are some of the key names, uh, and then there's a lot going on in Africa today. Um, some really good names of African theologians, John Beatty and others, yeah. that actually speak not just for the African community, not just to the African community. They are voices that the world, uh, especially the world of Christianity, needs to know about, needs to learn from. Yeah. Johnny, you know, um, the first few names, and of course a lot, lots of names, uh, the African roots of our Christian faith is not known. No. Uh, 
in the Christian world. It's not known in the non-Christian world. Uh, our faith is n- not just Middle Eastern. Our faith is African. And uh, and that's why somebody like Harvey is so keen for us to talk to. And most don't know that a uh, lot of sociologists and thinkers consider Augustine as the framer of the Western civilization. If that is correct, then you have a Berber, mixed African, giving birth to the Western civilization. Have you thought about that? <laughs> no, I... I... I love this conversation, but I love history. Okay, so so we're, we're I'm glad we're in history class for for a few minutes here. Uh, one thing that strikes me about Augustine um, is his amazing, amazing, amazing testimony. But when he was wandering away, um, it was the prayers of his mother, right? Which which God yeah, answered yeah. and brought him back. But those those prayers of African moms uh, to this day, I mean, this is the this is one of the um, one of the great strengths of the church in the world are the prayers of African women. And 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 I, I, I totally, totally agree. We don't know the stories of the of the global church and and people need to know these stories. You know, Th- Thomas, Thomas was not the least of all the apostles, you know, because he was doubting Thomas. He's the only apostle that touched the wounds of Jesus, and he took the gospel all the way to India. Like, we we need Christians to understand these stories. And Harvey, one of my favorites, um, I, I spent a lot of time in the Middle East, uh, and when ISIS was killing all of these Christians, um, I was sitting uh, uh, with a, a, a leader of a country, and I was appealing to this Muslim leader to help the Christians. And I said, um, uh, you know the story, but in early Islamic history, the Muslims were being killed um, by by the tribes around, and um, they had to flee. And who took them in? An Ethiopian Christian king provided refuge to these persecuted Muslims. And I, I was sitting with this uh, with this Muslim leader. And this um, of this of this Muslim state, and I said, "Now we need you to return the favor, because Christians in the Middle East are 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 in trouble." And um, the story of the historic African Church is not only alive today because of the vibrancy of the African Church, um, but its history matters today too. And uh, and Harvey, uh, living out here and doing what you do. Uh, this this wonderful history, etc. Does it does it give confidence to you in your leadership role that you you have such a rich history and legacy, or because of what history has done, colonialism and everything else, uh, do you also have to struggle? Maybe you have to struggle a little bit with the after effects of colonialism, as as if Christianity came to Africa with colonialism. I was, I was teaching a class yesterday. Yeah. Um, this is the this is the first class with a, a, a new group of students uh, looking at the African church history, and so we talk about um, Acts two, right? Uh, Luke mentions the Egyptians and the Libyans, but 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 what he does not mention there is that the the the, the upper room was in the house of uh, John Mark's mother. And they had just returned from Libya, right? That John Mark himself was born in Libya, an African Jew, so to speak. That at that point in time, there were more Jews living in Alexandria 
than in Jerusalem. Hmm. Uh, that possibly when Jesus went to Africa with the parents as a, as a, as a child, it was to family in the diaspora. So there is, there is that history that then begins to uh, sort of affirm what we are doing now, that as African Christians uh, are taking, beginning to take mission seriously, we are doing something that's been done before. Yes. That, uh, that, that whether it's Paul coming from Antioch has um, been sent off by this matter, team, that includes at least two Africans mentioned in, in, in Acts 30. Yeah. Uh, or whether it's Apollos or, or Alexander and Rufus. And all these people that are coming from Africa that are actually involved in mission right at the beginning of the story. And what we're doing now, what we're seeing now, is just a continuation of that story. Wonderful. Of course, it's happening in, in, in a world where, um, you know, the, the, the hierarchy of the, the nation, the hierarchy of the civilizations makes it difficult for, for Africans to actually do this. But, but they, have, they have been involved in this right from the beginning. So, so let's go there for a minute. What are we seeing now as um, the African uh, diaspora... Uh, all over Europe and other parts of the world, certainly in my own my country in the United States, um, is impacting um, Christianity in London, in uh, in Houston, Texas, in uh, in in, in places um, places all all over the world. Is the African Church reevangelizing Europe, or is that taking it too far? The African Church is growing uh, in Europe. That's a given fact. Uh, here in the UK, we know for sure that if the church is gro- is growing anywhere, it's 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 the African migrants. Oh, actually, we could generalize it's the migrants. So it, that that would include the Asians, Latin Americans, but but on top of that list is the African migrants. We know for sure that uh, on any Sunday in London, more than sixty percent of church attendance is black. Wow, that's a given fact. Wow. Uh, any Sunday. More than sixty percent, and 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 Africans, Afro Caribbeans, form only fourteen percent of London's population. Wow! So you have fourteen percent of the population accounting for sixty percent of church attendance. That is something. That's a, that is incredible. The church I mean, I, I in London is here, the African church. Here in Liverpool, we have several African churches that will have night of prayers every Friday, hmm. every Friday of the year. People gather to pray. Wow! Right, uh, and 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 so uh, they, they bring that that vibrancy, that that uh, that keen focus on um, touching the spirit world to try and see what what God can do for them here in Europe. Uh, they are praying. They love evangelizing. They may not necessarily have figured out how to evangelize Westerners, but if you will see people on the street generally speaking, uh, giving out tracts and doing some form of evangelism, chances are it's going to be Africans. So I think something is happening. I, I do think that uh, if if this goes on for a few years, we will get to a place where Africans can actually successfully evangelize Westerners. But but that that's just beginning now. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, these African churches which we, you know, I've been to a couple here in London. Um, how long is it going to take for the African churches and leaders to have confidence and bring in more 
non-black people, I mean the white people into their congregations, uh, or other white lapsed Christians or whatever, they're not going to feel comfortable coming into black churches. I, I think the main problem that we have with this whole development is that for most Africans, mission is still what Europeans did in Africa. Hmm. So it comes with a cultural supremacy uh, and and uh, cultural superiority and other things that 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 the people you convert have to adopt your culture, right? Exactly what the Europeans did in yeah. Africa, and and so and the Africans are now beginning to realize that actually mission does not require us to do that, and that actually we can do we can we can evangelize without having to make these Europeans Africans, and and this is this this goes both ways. The Africans are, are trying. They, they, they I mean, be, believe it or not, but they take it as a as a great victory when they have white people in their churches, <laughs> and and that's that's still co- colonial history, right? <laughs> but if you have if you have white people uh, identifying with you, you, you you are somebody. So a lot of them take that as as you know as an honor. We have white people among us. They they really want to have white people among them. And they try to do what they can to bring in white people into their congregations, but also white people. Um, I, I, I mean, as far as I hear conversations around here, most of the white British people would do not really think uh, it's it's the right thing to sit under an African Christian leader. Um, yeah, it's it's all that. So even though the Africans are trying their best, the, the Europeans are still are still holding out because you know you, you can't have a you can't follow a black bishop or you can't follow a black a black leader, and we hear that quite often mm. around here. So that's a challenge. So you've you've mentioned several um, lessons already about prayer um, and and a few other things, but what are more uh, lessons that the um, uh, the rest of the church should learn from the majority world church, in particular the the African church. The Enlightenment destroyed European Christianity, European mm. faith, and 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 with that um, the the Christianity that has been exported from Europe, North America to the rest of the world. Uh, and and that the Africans come in with a with a with a worldview that's not really been touched by the Enlightenment, hmm. and so they can they they can really believe that God is spirit and 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 the spirit of God moves and touches people and heals and does all these things. Without without doing that, we we tend to do Christianity as something that's just cerebral. That uh, you you have to know these th- facts about about Jesus, and then you are you, you are saved. Um, the African Christian will 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 go a step further, and 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 say that you have to engage the spirit, the spirit of God, uh, in in order to be a good follower of Christ. And I think that is one of the most important things that we can learn from African Christians. Yeah, hmm. and. Um and this emphasis on the spirituality that recognizes there is another reality outside of 
the rational reality, right? Uh, yes. Material reality of the spirit of God, of angels and all. Um, is that one of the reasons there's such vibrancy within the church? I mean, you just mentioned about the lady who was killed for being a prophetess. Uh, those are strange-sounding words for those who have come out of an enlightenment Christianity. And you know, how can you, you know, we see that in the Bible, but it's not for today. But, but do you think that that uh, cultural view where you are not affected by enlightenment, where you're pre-modern, and uh, you approach things much more holistically, one of the reasons that the African Church continues to grow? Oh yes, uh, I mean, speaking as an African here, the the, the the Christian faith is is about the spirit and the spirit world, right? That's that's I mean, God is spirit, poured out His spirit upon our flesh. Uh, it, you know, those who worship Him must worship in in, in spirit and in truth. It, this the, the spirit is quite visible in in the text. Um, in African culture, the even before we become Christians, we are fully aware of the spirit world. That's that's, and so when we become Christians and we see the spirit in the Bible, it just feels like actually this is what we've been dying for. This is what we've been looking for. Wow. And then and then that allows us to engage this Christian faith as a spiritual faith that it is. Now. Um, the the, 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 the the result of that is of for example as we as we we're talking about prayer right that I mean if there's a thing about I, I miss about Africa is, is prayer mm. right there's I've, I've I've been out here in the west for for more than 20 years I, I, I never prayed like I prayed in Africa and and I mean I, that's it's many of us. But but the prayer is understood as something that that you do to engage the spirit world. Right? That that actually, if you do not pray, let, let me back up a little. Even even in non-Christian world, uh, before before people become Christians, the understanding that you need you need a powerful spiritual force behind you to make it in life. Hmm. It's normal. If you're if you're if you're chickens are not reproducing well you worry about you know the spirit force behind me is it is it is it not powerful enough to make this happen your cows are not reproducing you it's not just the biology of of cows not reproducing you wonder is there a spiritual force behind this and is the spiritual force behind me unable to 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 make way for me right and it's that understanding of life that then allows us to, to to pray as much as we do, because we know that in prayer we 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 are we are increasing the the the, the, the power, the spiritual power mm. behind us, right? Uh, the, the the force that that you know comes and and makes things happen for us, um, and 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 that changes things for us. John, Johnny is, uh, you know, my thoughts are going in different directions as I'm hearing, <laughs> hearing Harvey um, and about the Enlightenment. In the Western world, even as Christianity has declined, the interest in spiritualism yeah. has proportionately increased. 
And I see on many podcasts and all, young people, whether they're Indian, American, everything, they're talking about this language. There's no energy here. And they're all talking about another reality. Do you think the Western form of Christianity has missed this and is something that we can learn from our African brothers? Well, uh, uh, the last part of that, um, there is so much we must we must learn. I mean, this uh, Harvey, this this whole conversation has been so uh, enriching to me spiritually. Listening, I just want to listen to you tell more stories and talk more, and um, it's like a sh- spiritual shot shot in the arm. And I think so much of the of the church where I come from needs to be more acquainted with um, with the majority world church. That's why we're having these conversations. Um, but Bishop, I I think. <clears throat> I think uh, everyone expected more atheists in the world. And what we ended up with is a world equally spiritual and or religious, just putting that energy in different directions. And I, I remember um, uh, when, I, when I moved to Los Angeles, uh, you know, coming from the deep south in the United States in the heart of the Bible belts and, and people were, you know, Oh, that's a secular place and Hollywood and all of these things. But what I found in Los Angeles was I found everybody looking for something. They were just putting in all kinds of different directions. It was the single most spiritual city I had ever been to in my life. It's just they were trying to find something. And I also think this is the power of the gospel. When the gospel is like the, um, it's like uh, it's the the old adage um, from the from the mathematician. <laughs> Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure whose name uh, you'll, you'll remember um, that there's a God-shaped vacuum. Oh, vacuum, yeah, it's like a God-shaped hole inside of our of our hearts, and people are filling that hole with everything else, um, and they choose the path of uh, their mind, or they choose the path of their heart. And in, in my case, um, uh, it was like sometimes my mind was in my faith, and sometimes my heart was in my faith, but it never was the case that I didn't have one or the other. But in the Western church, um, we are definitely on the path of the mind now. Um, and we need uh, a resuscitation. And that's what I hear in this conversation, Harvey. I, I hear a resuscitation of the global church with the, um, with the spirit of the African uh, and broader diet. You know, it's the same thing is true in Brazil. You know, the broader diaspora um, of our own diaspora, our Christian diaspora. Uh, around the world, I, I, I do have a, um, a a question though, Harvey. A lot of these immigrant um, communities are first generation immigrants, and so they're they're bringing it they're bringing it with them. So, what is the risk that they sort of like assimilate into the secular culture? Like, how do you preserve the same power? Um, into the second generation, the third generation, you know, to make sure that the faith of the fathers is passed down. Yeah, because it um, might take the, us a few generations to catch it. You know, those of us who aren't in the in the African church, it 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 will definitely take a few generations. Um, the, the, what's happening with the African church, for example, is that uh, to preserve their faith, most African Christians will belong in an African church whether in London, Liverpool, wherever. And they're doing that to keep their faith. There will be a few who will, who will join um, the Church of England here and, and other churches. But most people, and, and actually most people will 
even if they are in an Anglican church here or a Methodist, or they will have they will have another African fellowship that they attend to to fill up spiritually. Right now, the problem comes in that uh, the second generation, their children, our children, are culturally British, and when we take them into our congregations, they feel out of place. Mm. Now, um, and for us, first generation, we were discipled in Africa, right? I, I, I remember, I think, at the age of 10, my parents take me up the hill for three day and night, day and night prayers. Wow. And, and, and you do that at 10, it sustains you. But when we are here in the West, one, we don't know how to do that with our children. Hmm. Uh, we were discipled in our schools by our friends. Remember preaching my first sermon to my fellow 13, 14-year-olds in high school. <laughs> right? the, 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 the kids here do not have spaces for that. Hmm. So we, we end up with a situation where the first generation really does not know how to disciple their own children. Javi, um, you've been leading Global Connections for what, two, three years now? Two years. Two years. You're probably the first non-Western leader of this alliance. Am I correct? Wrong? Yes, yes. Uh, and an African, and you've got all these missions uh, started mostly from here, but some from America, but uh, most majority, I mean, uh, led by Westerners, some by non-Westerners. As you, as you navigate the leadership of these group of mission societies, um, what kind of insight or foresight do you bring as you look out to the world and these mission societies look out to the world? Can they carry on doing what they, they used to do all this while? Do they need to change? Uh, do you see change happening? Uh, what, what do you see is going on outside of Britain, uh, in Africa, Asia, etc., that, that Christians here need to look at? Uh, I, I mean, this, this may sound rather... Uh, Blunt, but I, I think the era of the Western mission to the rest of the world, that era is gone. Okay. And the sooner we realize that, the better. Uh, the, the future of mission must involve all of us. Mm. The West still leads because it has the money. But really, <laughs> nothing else. I mean, probably theological uh, scholarship uh, for centuries um, that actually struggles to contextualize itself for the rest of the world. In, in Christian history, um, our leaders have very rarely been uh, those that everyone thought was in charge. Uh, leadership, uh, as a, a famous author said, is influence. And as I see it, traveling all around the world to countless countries, um, the Christian leaders in the world uh, are the majority church. Yeah, and, and Johnny, you know, Harvey is in a very unique position. I don't think there is a mission alliance in any part of the world, Western world, where, which is led by somebody not from that world. So, um, you know, uh, we need our audience to pray for him. Yeah. 
and to stand with him. And Harvey, we want you to stand there. Don't, you know, we are with you. <laughs> there are many like you. And uh, to talk to... I want to take your class, Harvey. I, <laughs> like, <laughs> Yes, and so uh, so this is this uh, podcast is the beginning of a conversation that Johnny and I will have related to African issues and Christianity and race. So we have not gone everywhere, but thank you for giving us this time, Harvey. Thank you. It's been a privilege, Johnny. What 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 are your, what's what are your thoughts? Uh, there are so many things from this conversation. I'll remember one: the fact that Jesus. When his family took him to Egypt, it was they were Africa. probably taking him to family. Yeah, right. It was. It wasn't just you know. It, it okay. wasn't just he was going to Egypt because that was uh, the nearest country in that time period. And I you look, I got multiple theology degrees. I've been in church my whole life. I preached in the largest churches in the world, but that had never clicked for me in the way it clicked. Um, the interconnectedness. Um, of Africa and the and the early um, you know the beginnings of of our of our incredible movement, um, you know Christianity is the most diverse movement in human history. Not just because it's true, but because of the way it spreads. Because if, if you're um, you know if you're a part of another religion, you have to read the language very often. You have to come from a particular culture, understand a particular culture. But Christianity. Um, you can worship God in your own language. You can read the Bible in your own language. You can you can bring everything you have and love about your culture with you. And there's so many blessings from the African church that for so many really, um, I want to say dumb reasons, uh, lots of reasons, um, the, 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 the Western church is not getting. And we got a lot of those lessons uh, in this in this conversation, especially about prayer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and the spirit world, and the reality of it in in most parts and most cultures and most of the majority cultures, and uh, you know, um, you and I and others, of course, need to reclaim our African heritage in at a time when people are trying to attack the Christian faith, the Christian community. Uh, in my part of the world, oh, it's a Western religion, which it is not a Western, it's an African, Asian religion. But we have talked about Middle East, but we never said this is an African religion. Once we said this is an African faith, and those were our church fathers, the guy who was the dwarf, black dwarf, a great <laughs> theologian and a great bishop of the church. I mean, there's no answer to those things, but we have not articulated it enough, and we have allowed this part of the story to be sort of blanked out from 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 uh, the Christians we are teaching and discipling, etc. And that's in the power of all of us to tell these stories to our children, to our churches, um, around dinner tables. You know, one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast uh, to bring together um, an Eastern and a Western perspective on critical conversations. Um, meeting in London to do it, one of the most diverse cities in the world, a city where the majority of Christians in church on Sunday are from Africa, uh, is to help people not only think through these issues, but to learn so that they can pass it along. And there was also um, a warning to us in this conversation. It won't be passed to the next generation on accident. We have to 
do it. And that's something we all have to do a little more of. Thank you for joining us today for Babel Undone. If this conversation had you thinking, then why don't you share it with someone else? For more episodes of Babel Undone or other amazing content that helps Christians live out their faith, you should head over to premiere.plus. That's premiere, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, for the Americans listening in, not plus.